It's Jim Valley. I am not here this week. So this is a retro edition from 30 years ago, Wrestling Observer Live. The number one song in the country right now, Mariah Carey and Dream Lover. Boy, she's just been on fire last couple of years. Only 23 years old think she started. She's a teenager and you know, it reminds me, Jeff Jarrett, who wrestles in Memphis, says he's got a neighbor who's very talented musically. And I don't know. I don't know if Jeff Jarrett knows anything about Nashville or country music. Can't even imagine Jeff Jarrett with a guitar, but great wrestler. I just don't associate him with singing or dancing. But one of these days, I tell you, Jeff Jarrett needs to get out of the USWA, be that top baby face. We all know he can be, probably like in WCW. I just, I don't see him cut out for WWF. Anyway, it's Jim Valley. It's Wrestling Observer Live. And of course, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter by Dave Meltzer out of Campbell, California. Mailed out each and every week. Get your pen and paper handy. I'll have details on how you can subscribe. It's got backstage news, match results, business details, and of course, the one thing that we all agree on, the star ratings. Dave rates matches on a five-star scale, and it's just for fun. Everybody knows a quarter of a star is not that big of a deal. It's not controversial, but you know Dave, he does it anyway. And newsletter makers, Newsmakers throughout wrestling, like Jim Cornette, swear by the Wrestling Observer. Everybody who keeps up with modern pro wrestling swears by the Wrestling Observer. But we've got all kinds of things to talk about today. The big news, Lex Luger beat Yokozuna at SummerSlam on Monday, but he did not take the title. Plus, Ted DiBiase has already got gold after leaving the WWF. And you won't believe what has happened to the Shockmaster. Some big changes to War Games and WCW Fall Brawl. Plus, AAA, the Lucha Libre promotion out of Mexico, had a very successful tour of California. So successful, there's talk of a network TV deal. That's right, AAA coming to TV in the U.S. very soon. We'll keep an eye on that. All that and so much more. Stand by. It's Wrestling Observer Live. It's the new song from uh, Will Smith, DJ Jazzy Jeff. You know, I loved him on The Fresh Prince. I don't know what this... Fake tough guy act. I mean, who sees Will Smith as tough? I can't even imagine him hitting somebody. I don't know. Is Will Smith done? Like I said, he was charming on Fresh Prince, but I guess he could be like a sidekick in a movie, but I think he's just too skinny to be a leading man, don't you think? Still, Summertime. Awesome, awesome song. What about Summer Slam? It's past Monday at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Now, the show failed to sell out, but 
it was the largest crowd of the year to see a pro wrestling show. Around 19,000 fans. It's a good crowd. But it's a long ways from the 77,000 of WrestleMania 3. And I know, I know, they announced 93,000, but the real number was 77 still. It's very impressive. I don't know that we'll ever see a crowd bigger than we saw at the Silver Dome. But anyway, SummerSlam, Lex Luger used his loaded forearm and knocked Yokozuna out and out of the ring, enabling Lex Luger to win by countout. And there was a big celebration. All the baby faces came in the ring, the confetti, the streamers, but still, a title can't change on a countout. Lex Luger won, but Yokozuna is still the WWF champion. What does it mean going forward? Does it mean that Lex Luger indeed will not get any more title matches like it said on his contract? Now this weekend on Superstars, Jim Cornette had this to say. We've looked far and wide. Who could test the great Yokozuna? Who could present a challenge to the great Yokozuna? We looked under rocks. We looked behind corners. We even put pictures on milk cartons. There ain't a soul that can put him down. There ain't a soul that can contend with almost 600 pounds of humanity. Nobody, nowhere, no how. Not on this planet, not till a spaceship lands. Nobody can. Wait a minute. What's going on here? just let Yokozuna stare him down himself. And I don't know, it's not like Jim Cornette to let another man do his work for him.
But still, I think it's safe to say that Lex Luger, regardless of what happens with Yokozuna and The Undertaker, will challenge and win the WWF title, probably at WrestleMania. You could see it, right? Lex Luger wins the Royal Rumble. I mean, clearly, Vince McMahon loves Lex Luger. And I think Lex Luger is in good standing and will stay in the WWF. But where does that put Bret Hart? Bret Hart got the best of Jerry Lawler at SummerSlam. Just took a while to get theirs. Jerry Lawler came out on crutches, claiming he was injured and hobbling at ringside. And his replacement, Jerry Lawler, brought out his jester, Doink the Clown. And Doink the Clown threw a bucket of water on Brett's brother, Bruce. And then Brett attacked Doink outside of the ring, and they, they brawled around, and it came to an end when Brett locked the sharpshooter on Doink the Clown. And then Lawler attacked Brett with his crutch. And Jack Tunney then came out and told Howard Finkel to announce that Jerry Lawler would be banned forever if he didn't compete against Bret Hart tonight. So Lawler and Hart fought. And they punched and kicked, even used a milk pail and crutches on each other. And finally, Brett locked the sharpshooter. Lawler submitted. But then Brett was disqualified because he refused to release the hold. And that made Lawler the king of the WWF. It sure feels like maybe this feud isn't over. Maybe they could do something at Survivor Series. Maybe even WrestleMania. Here's the thing. I mean, Lawler, he's pretty reliable. He doesn't drink or do drugs, and in today's climate, you can rely that Jerry will be able to make his dates without any controversy. But still, I feel bad for Bret Hart. Vince likes big, muscular wrestlers, and he's going to promote Lex Luger over Bret Hart. And I don't know, maybe Bret should think about going to WCW, where wrestling is more important. And I think WCW would know what to do and know how to promote Bret Hart better than WWF. What do you think? Running down the rest of SummerSlam, Tatanka and the Smoking Guns beat Bam Bam Bigelow and the Hedgehuggers. Also, in a Rest in Peace match, The Undertaker beat Giant Gonzalez, apparently ending the feud. And it looks like Giant Gonzalez will start to become a fan favorite. But, you know, I think to make this match more interesting, and The Undertaker did need to win at SummerSlam, but I think because of that, without a doubt, Giant Gonzalez definitely should have beaten Undertaker at WrestleMania. I mean, it only makes sense that Gonzalez should have beaten Undertaker at WrestleMania. I mean, no one cares who wins or loses at WrestleMania once it's over, and I think it would have helped this match. So that's my one booking change that Giant Gonzalez should have beaten Undertaker at WrestleMania. Ludwig Borga beat Marty Jannetty. IRS beat the 1-2-3 Kid. Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels beat Mr. Perfect by Countout. And... 
Steiner Brothers beat the Heavenly Bodies, and Razor Ramon beat Ted DiBiase. And it looks like Ted DiBiase done here. He's now in All Japan Pro Wrestling. He and Stan Hansen won the PWF Tag Team titles from Toshiaki Kawada and Akiro Tawe. And you know, it's good that DiBiase has a plan outside of WWF. And it's probably good to get the belts off Kawada and Tawe, especially Kawada. You know, he's good, but I think out of all the four pillars... I don't know, he's probably the least of the four pillars. I just can't see anybody being inspired by Kawada. But coming up, AAA out of Mexico had a very successful tour of California with names like Rey Mysterio Jr. and Eddie Guerrero. Some names you may not know, but get a chance to be familiar with because they could be coming to a TV near you very soon. I'll explain why. Stand by. It's Wrestling Observer Live. It's the new Nirvana. It's heart-shaped box. And it's Jim Valley. It's Wrestling Observer Live. And of course, you know Nirvana, the Seattle sound from where I'm from. Actually, though, Nirvana... Not from Seattle, actually, Aberdeen, Washington. I'm not from Aberdeen, but I am from a town nearby. And could you imagine, like, being a wrestler from Aberdeen? I can't. They'd probably be this big, ugly, dumb Hulk. I don't know. It's such a small town, they'll never be another. They'll never be a wrestler from, from Aberdeen. Soaring with the eagles and slithering with the snakes. I've been everywhere in between. I am your friend. I am the Macho Man, Randy Savage. That is indeed the Macho Man. The macho man. Randy Savage. Yeah. And his new single called Speaking from the Heart. And uh, that is off the WrestleMania, the album, which has been out this year from WWF. And I guess it was produced by a man by the name of Simon Cowell. And everyone who worked with him says, just a total sweetheart. Never has a bad word say about anybody. And it's really nice to hear about nice people who succeed in show business. But I mean, come on, if he's, if he's doing the wrestling album, I mean, he's not that big of a star. He's, you know, I mean, it's a good job, but it's not like it's going to go, go anywhere. But you know where it could go somewhere is Hulk Hogan, speaking of music. Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart have signed a record deal with Arista Records. Huh. wonder what kind of songs Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart will come up with uh, I would assume just things that Hulk Hogan have Hulk Hogan has experienced himself like I don't know wrestling in the the Pontiac Superdome or the Silver Dome or who makes that mistake Silver Dome Superdome come on of course it's the Silver Dome only 
Only an idiot would say that. Anyway, either way, it'll be interesting to see what kind of music Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart come up with. And if Randy Savage was speaking from the heart, I'm sure Hulk Hogan will as well. wonder if Randy Savage would ever write a song about Hulk Hogan. Probably something about the manga powers and how they were good friends. Something, something like that. But hey, uh, looking at WCW, you know, not just WWF and AAA making news this week. Dustin Rhodes beat Rick Rude to become the new United States champion. And, uh, you know, we've got the war games coming up. Fall Brawl 1993. And I don't know. I don't know how good of a card, how good it, it really looks. It looks like they've kind of, WCW has had to shuffle some things. But one thing they did have to shuffle was the Shockmaster. You know, after he fell through the wall, you remember, at the Clash of the Champions, um, they've decided to kind of scrap the whole character, which is kind of odd. I guess they're going to go with him being a klutz. Okay, I mean, I guess they got to do what they feel they have to do, but his, his new name, he's no longer the Shockmaster. He is now going to be, get this, Uncle Fred. Just strange. Uncle Fred. That's kind of a, I don't know. Seems like a weird name. I don't know. Who's, whose uncle is he? Who, who in wrestling knows him as Uncle Fred? That just seems, I don't know. Just seems odd to me, but who knows what could happen in WCW? Anything Anything is possible, but um, they've got some changes to Fall Brawl 93 because it's still going to be Sting, Davey Boy Smith, Dustin Rhodes, and now the Shockmaster, Uncle Fred, taking on Sid Vicious, Vader, and Harlem Heat in the War Games match. But the other thing that's going to be happening is Ric Flair is going to be taking on Rick Rude for the big gold belt because the NWA, which is a separate organization, owns the rights to the name, the NWA world title. So the belt, which they own, is no longer the NWA world title. And since they already have a WCW world title, but I don't know. It just seems weird. The international world title is another name they've talked about. It just seems strange, doesn't it? To have two world titles 
in one company. I can't, I can't get my head around that. Two world titles in one company seems like a lot. I mean, why not just have three? Why not just have three world titles while you're at it? Have a world title, have a title, and have a, I don't, a universal title. What does it matter? Seems stupid to have two. What kind of rinky-dink promotion? Two world titles. Also on the card, the Nasty Boys will take on the horsemen of Arn Anderson and Paul Roma. And then Lord Stephen Regal will take on Ricky Steamboat. And boy, you know, with Flair and Steamboat, you know, they're in their 40s now. They're getting up there. I mean, how much longer can Ricky Steamboat wrestle? I mean... When you're around 40, that's, that is, that is, that's really old for a wrestler. I mean, and, and Ric Flair too. I mean, how much longer can these guys, can these guys expect to, expect to go on? I don't know. Well, there's a song from a few years ago. Was it six years ago? 1987. Rick Astley, never gonna give you up, and he is giving it up, saying that he's retiring. And that's understandable when you're a, a one-hit wonder like that. Music changes. Kids today don't want this music. Kids in 1993, they want Nirvana. I can't imagine like Rick Astley collaborating with Nirvana. That would be. Just, just wouldn't happen. Still, all the best to Rick Astley. You know who else people can't give up? Ric Flair and Sting. Their match in uh, just a couple of weeks ago, August 21st, drew a 3.4 rating, which equaled the audience of the highest Monday Night Raw show. Amazing. Ric Flair and Sting in 1988, and here we are. WCW always goes back to Ric Flair and Sting. Ric Flair and Sting. It feels like, I don't know, it could be 30 years from now. In, what would that make it? 30 years from now, in 2023, and we'll still be talking about Ric Flair and Sting. Can you imagine? Tony Schiavone will be there. Maybe Jim Ross. I, I don't know. I just, never mind. I'm just being... I'm just being ridiculous. You know, something I've been doing that's uh, kind of cool. I've hooked up this program to my computer, it's called Prodigy. And you connect your phone line and you can read articles and connect and meet people. And I've met wrestling fans, there's even wrestling. I've met wrestling fans from around the country. Matter of fact, there's this one kid, he's 
Not very old, but he's really smart, great with numbers. He wants to get into Japanese wrestling, so I sent him some videos of the four pillars, some tournaments. Hope he likes it. So, If you're listening, Tony, the videos are in the mail and coming your way. Have a great week, everybody. Go enjoy a Crystal Pepsi. I'll talk to you next week. It's Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live. Yeah, on the heels of, um, we, we talked about, or I talked about FMW last time. And when we came home, it was, you know, you'll be back in January six times next year. And we thought, you know, we'd made it. And then the call didn't come and the call didn't come. And I, I could be off on the time frame, but I think it was around February of the following year that I made the call to uh, break up the sudden impact tag team with Chris, thinking that we should, you know, try to get booked to go our separate ways. And he ended up not too long after that going to Mexico. So he, you know, had got his next big booking and there's me, the idiot that decided to break up with him, still just working the local shows. So I was very eager to get my next booking outside of the local shows. And in the, that summer, um, I got the call about this trip to Beirut, Lebanon and, and to set the stage a little bit, this is 1992 pre-internet. Um, I believe the, the uh, stability of the Middle East was not particularly great and obviously communication and finding out how the situations are was a lot harder, but I was eager to get that next booking, that next international booking that, you know, reinforced that Jericho wasn't going to leave me in the dust. And I got the call from, I don't remember who actually called me, um, probably like a Steve Gillespie who I was living with at the time, probably, but it was via Gama Singh. And I've mentioned Gama and Jerry before, but there was this guy, Abe Awad, who had run a tour in, excuse uh, me, Abe Awad. That was his name. He was a uh, Lebanese gentleman that had connections in, in Lebanon. And he had contacted, I found out afterwards, but well, I, I have the knowledge now. He had tried to go the previous year with a bunch of WWF uh, cast-offs, former WWF stars. But there was tension, and it turned out Americans weren't legally allowed to enter Lebanon. So they were all turned back, and the tour never happened. So he had contacted Chris Adams, who was based in Dallas, but had a British passport. And... Chris Adams was the one putting this tour together. So he had contacted Gama Singh somehow, I guess, I don't know, they had a relationship where he got his name, to book Canadians. So he had got Gama Singh, Jerry Morrow, and then a bunch of other of us local guys from Calgary. And Chris had also contacted Mondo and Chavo Classic, uh, and they also booked another Mexican kid named Elodas. I think there was the pronunciation of his name. I don't know who he is or whether he made anything of himself. No idea. But I was nervous with a shit, you know, do I really want to go to the Middle East and wrestle in Beirut? Um, I was dating my wife uh, to be at the time. Actually, we had just um, decided to live together and we just found an apartment and we moved in, I think, like, the day I left, she actually, we took possession, I think the day I left and she did most of the moving in when I was gone, 
but I accepted the deal figuring that, you know, Jerry and Gama are smarter than me, more experienced than me. If they're willing to go, it must be okay. So I accepted this tour to go to Beirut for two weeks. So it was, again, what was, I think we were, if I had to remember, I think I was offered a thousand a week. So it'd be two grand for the tour. They'd cover expenses and, and so forth. So we're like, great. And we were supposed to be paid up front. We, you know, and this is back again before um, e-tickets and shit. It's just, oh, there's, you know, it's a, it's a group ticket. You guys all show up at the airport. You go to the ticket counter. You'll get your tickets. So we're like, okay. So there was like six or seven of us from Calgary. We all go to the airport. And we get word that we haven't been paid. We'll be paid in Dallas. Everyone's meeting in Dallas on our flight. And then we fly over. So we're like, okay. So we board and we fly to Dallas, which again is the complete wrong direction. If you want to go to Beirut, we fly to Dallas and we meet Chris Adams and it turns out everybody's flying to Dallas. So we wait for the Mexican guys to get in and we're all there. Got like a three hour layover in Dallas. And Chris tells us that, um, Abe's going to meet us in London to pay us. And we're like, huh? Like <laughs> the look on Brian's face. He's like, everybody knows where this is going. It's like, keeps getting us further away from home without paying us. So, and again, the ultimate rib. So it's like four hour flight to Dallas, two or three hour layover in Dallas. We then fly to Boston. So we fly to Boston, Logan, have like a two hour layover in Logan. And then we fly to, uh, to London Heathrow where we have to, and again, covering the, uh, the issues with Americans going to Beirut, we couldn't have a plane ticket that said we came from the U.S. So we had to claim our bags in London like it was our final destination and then go to the Middle East Airlines ticket counter to pick up our new ticket. So we do that. So we've got like a three or four hour window uh, layover in, in Heathrow because when you book two separate tickets, if you don't make your connection, it's on you. So we go to Middle East Airlines, we check in, we go through our gate, and we meet Abe Awad. And guess what, Brian? He ain't got no money. He ain't got no money. He'll pay you when we land in Beirut. <laughs> and, and this is where there ended up being a bit of a standoff. Like, Chris appears to be in a heated conversation with Abe, and we're debating on whether we, we board this plane and go to the Middle East or not, or we turn around and... Again, at this point, I'm like, I'm following Gama and Jerry. You know, Gama seems to be the lead guy talking to Chris, who talks to Abe. We'll follow Gama. And Gama decides we're going to go and we'll fly to Beirut. To this day, I have no idea what the fuck was going on. But I swear to God, again, it's dodgy going to Beirut. Well, we get our tickets from Middle East Airlines. My boarding pass had Cairo as the destination. Cairo's, well, that, that's, that's by Beirut, kind of. Not really. That's in, it's in Egypt. The, it's, the it's in way. Africa. Well, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and I bring up, I'm like, um, it says, and they're just like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's it's a thing, but we're going to Beirut. Yeah, I'm like, it's a thing, my, Lance. My, my boarding pass says Cairo. So Who we get on. Question Abe Awad. Yeah, exactly. Who had no wad, it appears. <laughs> Apparently had no wad at all. So we board this plane, and, and it was um, not the nicest plane I've been on, uh, Middle East Airlines. And the plane is jam-packed. And as we're flying, all of the, I'm assuming, Lebanese people that would live in Lebanon 
are asking us why we're flying to Lebanon and we tell them we're wrestling and it's like everyone on the plane is like if you're not Lebanese and live in Lebanon why the hell are you risking going to Lebanon which is making all of us a little bit concerned so we land in Beirut and as we you know you get off the plane and you're going towards you know immigration and so forth they pull us off through a side door and go into this room and there's all these guys you know military guys with AKs and shit standing around and they start collecting our passports and it's like you know they always tell you it's like you know you never give up your passport you know they can't legally take it from you but it's like we're in this room with a room full of guys with m16s and shit i think they're ak's actually wanting our passports so it's like we hand over our passports and then they take us through a different door put us into jeeps and drive us away it's like i'm sitting in this jeep and i think it was the same one with mondo and chavo and i'm literally there, it's like there's no record that we entered this country they took our passports it's like what the fuck are we doing and we drove to tire lebanon where they pulled into a hotel and it's like this is where you're staying they dump us off and tell us not to leave and i'm like we're being held hostage we have no passports there's no record we entered this country there's no phones in our hotel room so it's like what the hell and i remember too the first day it was it was chris adams mondo and i and there was someone else i think it was jerry they wanted to go walk around and look around i'm scared shitless because it's like we have no identification we're like oh let's just go walk around so we're walking around and we're walking through the streets i've got some photos i'll post and we come to a military check stop and there's like all these and arabic i would assume lebanese i'm not sure what language they speak but it's a very harsh language when you don't speak it and as we get to this military stop we're like fuck we don't have passports let's turn around we're like that'll look suspicious and then they start yelling at us <clears throat> and they're making all these hand gestures they're like, oh shit they're hot and finally we realize that they're animating wrestling moves and they recognize us as wrestlers and they're all excited which took the uh, the sting out of it and it turns out they thought jerry mora was iceman king parsons because world-class wrestling aired and was really big right yeah in 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 the middle east yep. so chris adams was the draw of the tour but jerry morrow for those who don't know is a black man and iceman king parsons is a black man and apparently to all of these uh, lebanese military people they looked enough alike that they assumed it was iceman king parsons but he led us through and we uh we did a week in tire and, and then a week in beirut and um it was a constant battle for money just get to the first show and it's like we don't have money yet we'll pay you out of the gate and it's like oh shit that old trick yeah we ended up getting paid a little bit in you know lebanese money which would lira i believe um each show and another thing that was crazy that inflation was so bad that when you went to grocery stores, there was a sign outside the door that gave you the current exchange rate of Lira to the US dollar. And all the shopping carts had a calculator on them. You'd have loved it. You had a calculator with you all the time, Brian, back before cell phones. And all the prices in the store were in US dollars because the value of their currency decreased by the hour practically. So rather than repricing their stock every day, 
the sign out front of the store changed by the hour on what your exchange rate was. You could decide how much you could afford to buy shit. It was nuts. So we, we worked the few shows the last night in Tyre, it, we, we wrestled an out, outside the baby faces had a locker room in a building. Sorry, the heels did. And the baby faces were in a tent out on the soccer field. And the last night show, the last show in Tyre, I'm standing out by the tent watching the show and I hear a gunshot and it's like, I'm looking around and there's a dude, not, you know, hundred feet from me that drops. So I'm like looking for a rock to call crawl under and the military guys all come in and scoop us up and cart us away. And the dude was shot in the neck. And they rush us to the bus and they got the guys hanging out the windows with their rifles and shit. And they scoot us back to the hotel. And it's like, it was fucking crazy. And this was the, the joys of, of Tyre. Um, I've got some great photos. Chris Adams actually managed to suck up to the military guys and convince them to take us where we could shoot some of the guns. And they took us up into the hills where we could um, fire uh, their, uh, their AKs and stuff. But in the morning, I could hear bombs going off in the distance. You could see them going off in the distance and hear gunfire and war was breaking out in this area. And they rushed us, you know, guys, again, hanging out the windows of the bus with their uh, AKs and stuff and rushed us from uh, Tyre back to Beirut. So it was nuts. And one of the... <laughs> This is insane too. When, when we left, cause obviously my, my, uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time and all of the other wives of the wrestlers that were going, were really concerned about us going to Beirut. So it's like, you know, call us as soon as you get there. Well, when we get there, there's no phones. And since we're fighting for money, it's like, we're pretty much, you know, held hostage on the hotel floor of our hotel. So we're like, we need to call home. We need to go. They finally said they could take one guy to an international phone and Steve Gillespie, who was, uh, uh, the guy who was my roommate, I was moving out on to go live with my, my, my future wife. Everyone decides because his wife knew everybody that Steve would go with whoever and they'd take him to an international phone. He could call his wife, say we're okay and tell her to call everybody else's significant others, which he did. Apparently she never called anybody. Oops. Oops. So the whole two weeks goes by and no one other than Mel, his wife, Knew we weren't just, you know, falling off the face of the earth and died. But we we did end up going to Beirut, which was a lot nicer. Um, and we got, you know, we were around to walk around. There was shops and stuff. And I was always told that gold was much cheaper in the Middle East. So my goal was to buy a uh, birthstone ring for my wife. And I found a jewelry store that I went into and managed to convey to him that I wanted a amethyst birthstone ring. So he's showing me rings and I pick one out and he's like, no, you don't want that one. He says, that's a fake amethyst. You want a real amethyst? You want, it's worth the, the money to get a real one. I'm like, okay. Cause I'm just an idiot. So I ended up buying this ring that, uh, I think was 20 or 24. It was a fairly high carat gold. Cause again, in the middle East, I think, you know, 18 or 20 is the worst you can get paid $68 us for it. And when I got it home, Guess what? The first thing the jeweler told me it's fake. It's a fake amethyst. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, son of a bitch. But was it real gold? 
It was, and he appraised it at the time at about $680 worth of gold. Not bad. So I benefited in that regard, at least. Who gives a shit if that amethyst is fake? That's real gold, brother. Yeah, so I I did well in that regard. The the other um, trouble with the tour, other than not getting our money, was the water. And I was... I had picked up a tra- I think I talked to a travel agent or I picked up a travel guide book and it was the warning of don't drink the water, which everybody knew. But the special piece of advice I was given that the others weren't were don't eat a salad. Fruits and vegetables are washed in the water and they have a lot of water content. If you eat vegetables and so forth, you're go- you have the potential of getting sick. Well, th- we all ate like our meals were paid for, but it was all just go down to the dining area in the hotel and everybody eats the same meal. Well, there was always a big bowl of salad. And everybody in Tyre started getting the shits. And uh, my match with, God, what was his name? Daryl Peterson, he's no longer with us, is the first person I wrestled who shit his pants during our match. I remember he was was to go over. And in one of the near falls, he hit me with a uh, sit-down powerbomb. And we land, boom, and as the ref's there making the cover, he just looks at me, he goes, I just shit myself. And I'm like, one, two, three. I just rolled out of the ring. I'm like, we're good. We do not need those extra near falls. And I just got the hell out of there. But uh, yeah, it was good. You'd have been better off in the Maritimes. Yes. Now, the one thing that I I so wish, and this is such a shame in that, again, people today don't realize we don't have camera phones. Not everybody had a camera with them at all times. And if you did have a camera, it was bulky. You didn't always take it with you. And I'm, I do have a few photos, but unfortunately I didn't take my camera with me. Chris Adams and I, I think it was just the two of us. We went for a walk the one time in Beirut looking for a gym and I would do anything. If I could have had photos of this place, we eventually found this, what looked like a bombed out building. Like it's a cement structure. There was a doorway, no door window openings, no windows, just like a cement opening. And we're walking on sand. We weren't on the beach, but it was like, just like beach sand. We're walking on dirt and we walk on dirt and we go into this gym and the floor is the same dirt as the outside. There's no doors. There's no windows, just openings. Candles are on the ledge of the window opening so that when the sun goes down, they light the candles and they had one bench. They had a pipe hanging from the ceiling by rope for chins and dumbbells. It's like, this is the gym. And we worked out. And I remember too, because there was a few other people there that were not big. And, and Chris Adams in total worker mode has got to do the, you know, I'm, you know, my shoulders are really sore. I'm just going to do a light, you know, easy workout. And I'm sure he was benching as heavy as he could, but he had to try to convince the others that this was his light day so that he, uh, you know, I guess benching whatever he would have been at the time, probably in the 300 pound range at the gym, he, he wasn't impressive enough. So he had to lie to say he was, he was benching more, but it was insane that this was the gym. And I'm so mad. I don't have photos of it. Um, this was also, um, I got hurt. It was near the end of right at the end of, um, it was the match with, uh, Dale Peterson where he shit himself. I took a power slam from him and I think his knee was forward and I landed on his knee and my rib was sore. So they gave me, uh, they let me ref. We had an odd number of wrestlers and we were short of refs. So it was always one guy that refed. And when I was hurt, they're like, okay, you ref for the next couple of days and then you got to work again. 
And I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. So I reffed it, but it was like really hurting. When I got home, I went to the doctor and they said I broke the tip off my floating rib, um, which was a lot of fun. Where'd that tip go? I don't know. That's he he said that that's what he figured happened. He says we could x-ray it to confirm, but he says we're not going to do anything. So, so I'm like, okay. But uh, it hurt. And uh, yeah, but then we ended up, it was really great in that the last two nights of the show, it would be me and Chris Adams against Mondo and Chavo because uh, Chris was the super over baby face and I was probably the most talented baby face behind him. So we were the baby faces, but it was a case of, since we got screwed on our money, it's like we wanted to fulfill our obligation of working the shows because they had the guns and we were still sort of hoping that we might get paid by the end of it all. But obviously at that point, we're like, let's just not get hurt. And Mondo and oh, just listen out there. I'm like, okay, great. And we would do all the hokiest clowning around spots that you've ever seen in your life. And, you know, I remember I tied up with Mondo and he'd like, he'd scoop behind me, roll behind me, trip my ankles and then walk up my back. And then he'd tie up with these, like, okay, do what I did to you back to me. So I would do that and trip him and I'd walk up his back and he'd get all mad. So then he'd go to tie up again. He's like, okay, once I walk over your back, he says, grab me by the ankles, trip me, and then grab the ref by the shirt and both of you walk over my back. I'm like, okay. So I go behind him. I trip him, grab the ref, and we both walk up his back and he starts throwing a fit. And we're doing, you know, the 10 punches in the corner, but we're doing the crank the headlock 10 times to get the crowd counting. We're just doing everything humanly possible not to take a bump, not to hurt anybody and still somehow managed to have a match and we we rewrapped up the two-week tour and we uh, did not get our money chris was going to fight for our money to still get us paid and we got, i think i think i ended up because they did pay us a little bit off the gates i think i did end up getting paid 500 dollars of the 2000 but the 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 final rib is because we're flying home and again, separate tickets, you know, uh, Beirut to London. And then we got the separate ticket, which again is the milk run of all milk runs. Um, London to Boston to Dallas to Calgary, which is just insane. So as we're on the flight, and again, we just want to get the fuck out of Beirut. And we get out of Beirut. And as we're flying to London, someone realizes that we have a 45-minute connection and we land in Heathrow and we are supposed to depart out of Gatwick. And for those who haven't flown through London, it takes you longer than that to get from Heathrow to Gatwick. So there is zero chance we're making our connection. And because they're two separately booked tickets, the airline's not responsible for that. We are. So we're like, fuck, we're screwed. So we land in, in, uh, in Heathrow. And we go right to the ticket counter. And again, Gamma taking the lead. Thank God. I love Gamma. And they're like, yeah, there's no way you can make your connection. And the next flight was like two days later. And they're like, yeah, you're going to have to get hotels here in London. And you won't be able to leave for two days. And we're like, fuck, we were on like American or something. And we're just like, what are we going to do? Because it's like the little bit we got paid will be lost even in that. And thankfully, Gamma, being the veteran, well-traveled guy, he had status on Air Canada. So he went to the Air Canada counter and pleaded the sob story of a lifetime of this ill-fated tour. He didn't have to lie or make anything up. 
and he managed to convince Air Canada to honor our American tickets, and they got us on a flight, I think about three hours later, and it was direct, London to Calgary. We're like, oh, thank God. And as the final rib, we board the plane, and again, oh, you know, buckle the seatbelts, we're taking off. And as soon as we lifted off, we're like, oh, thank God, we're on Air Canada, we're heading to Calgary, it's over. Everybody starts to fall asleep, and I shit you not, we hit, I think it's called a wind shear, and dropped like 125 feet. Guys were bouncing off the fucking roof of the uh, plane, and it was horrifying. Just when we all thought this nightmare is over, uh, we had a high spot where I thought we were going to die in a plane crash, but thankfully we balanced out and flew home. And Chris kept in touch with me for, God, I bet you a year, claiming he was going to hire a lawyer to sue to get our money. And I often wonder if Abe was the one that was shitting us or whether Chris Adams was, because you always hear the horror stories of the veteran wrestler who books the talent and gets paid up front and then doesn't nobody pay else the gets talent. paid yeah so i don't know whether uh chris got fucked on the money too but uh i did make five hundred dollars and i got my wife a nice uh birthstone ring a six hundred dollar ring a six hundred plus valued it came ring out of this eleven hundred dollars lance yeah it was supposed to be ahead uh two thousand but uh Hey, you live and learn, but I got to work with Mondo and Chavo Classic. And it was actually, um, I told the story of um, FMW last week of doing my very first dive. I believe this may have been my second dive, because I don't know if I did any on the local Calgary shows, because it just wasn't much of a thing. But the ring in Beirut was shit. The ropes were like super loose and wobbly, and the ring was terrible. And the ring was high. Like, if you stood on the floor, it was out on the soccer fields so it was grass but if you stood beside it it's like the the ring apron was you know chest high like above your nipples like it was a tall ring but i'm working uh was i working jerry or might have been working actually randy rudd a big thick local guy here from calgary and i'm just like i want to do something to you know get noticed get over be excited or what have you and i decide it's like well the ground's not hard it's grass I wanted to do a dive, but it's like, I'm not doing the plancha gimmick I did before because the ropes are too loose. If I touch the ropes, I'll kill myself. So it was the first time I decided to do the no touch helo over the top rope. Um, and again, it probably would have looked really cool because the ring was so damn tall, but I figured Randy's a good solid guy and I'm landing on grass. What the hell? So I did a, a big no touch helo on a show that I didn't end up getting paid for. So not the smartest move perhaps, but uh, I didn't get hurt. So I survived Beirut, Lebanon. And not that I'll get into the story, but the crazy thing is we all got fucked on our money. And the following year, no, I think Don, Don Callis went two years later and he also got fucked on his money. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Don should have known better. He what a mark. Known. Yep. Man. I told him not to go. Well, that's probably why he's on your case all these years later. <laughs> Still give me eye. He Still should be thanking me if he'd listened to me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was uh, Lebanon, 1992. I'll post a few photos, but uh, yeah, crazy time. And again, when I got home, my wife was uh, very shocked to see me and very, very angry. Shocked to see you. My God, he's alive. Well. God when, damn it, Lance. 
when you board a flight and say, you know, it'll take, you know, it'll take us, you know, 15 to 20 hours to get there. We'll call you when we get there. And then she never hears another word for two weeks. Yeah, probably didn't go over that well, did it? No, I, I think on some level, she probably thought we were shot and killed in, in the Middle East. But uh, well, she should have been happy when you came home alive. Uh, I think she was. And I, I think once um, I explained, didn't Mel talk to you? That we only one person could get to a because that's something, too, as you know, I was, I was a 23 year old kid. And again, pre-internet, pre-cell phone, pre-all this easy means of communication, you just assume because you live in Canada or the U.S. that, well, you just get a phone and you phone someone. You don't realize that, again, this was a, you know, a war-torn country with bombed out buildings and stuff that you're driving by, that they don't have phone lines that work, let alone active ones that go overseas. So it was incredibly hard to find a phone, let alone one that had you know, overseas lines that you could call. And it's like, I didn't know that existed. I just assumed everybody had a, had a phone, but, uh, we survived and I, uh, never wanted to go back. Today as a proud father, Paisley lost her first tooth. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. So, she got her teeth late, and when you get your teeth late, you lose them late. That's the story. It checks out. Makes sense. And uh, and so she started to get a, a, a loose bottom tooth. So we take a look at it, and uh, and there's another tooth growing in behind it. Yeah. So it's not there's not a tooth pushing the tooth out. There's a tooth growing behind the tooth. Right. So this happened to uh, Whitney and her sisters. And uh, in their case, they had to go to the dentist, get the tooth pulled. Okay. Don't want to deal with that. No. So uh, we're hoping this damn tooth falls out. But, uh, you know, Paisley, she, she doesn't want to eat certain foods because, you know, she doesn't want them to knock out the tooth or whatever. And we don't want to tell her she's going to have to go to the dentist to get it pulled because then we're going to really have to deal with that. So we're just hoping it falls out on its own and it's getting wiggly and everything like that. And uh, as God is my witness... Her and Hanalei were just fucking around tonight, grappling, being little kids. Fucking Hanalei super kicked her in the face, knocked the tooth out. That's how Paisley lost her first ever tooth. Too sweet shit music. And, uh, I, was, I don't know what I was doing. I was reading or something. And Paisley's not even crying. She just runs up to me and her, her, she's got blood on her mouth. Hmm. Huh. And she goes, I think my tooth fell out. I said, what? Hanalei kicked me and my tooth fell out. I said, really? And uh, and sure enough, we went and we found the tooth. And uh, the rest is history. So my first child lost a tooth because Hanaface super kicked it out of her mouth. I couldn't write a better story. Huh. Yeah. But anyway, now the tooth fairy's got to show up tonight with something. Yeah. Luckily, she doesn't know the value of money. That's four quarters going to go a long way. Cool, cool. 29. Get this. This is, you never hear this talked about either. I don't know why this is kind of falling out of the, the stories told about Bill Hurd. You know, you get stuck on the ding-dongs and the hunchbacks. Well, here's some more Hurd ideas for you. This kind of fell out of, you know, memory. 
There were plans for a Halloween Havoc match called the Master of the Maze. In this, wrestlers will face off in a transparent plexiglass maze. Yes. Now, now this predates Chamber of Horrors, by the way. Um, actually, this th- they end up going with Chamber of Horrors. The, um, the plexiglass maze, Master of the Maze, was the original idea. Not only that, but if you thought Chamber of Horrors was hilariously awesome, and it was, if you thought to yourself, well, the only thing that could be better or slash worse than that would be Master of the Maze, hang on to your hats, folks. The original plan for Clash of Champions was a Georgia Red Clay match with a ring made up of something like quicksand. The idea <laughs> the idea was basically a reverse battle royal where a bunch of guys go in and the first one to escape would be the winner. Now, I'm not sure if they escaped from the quicksand. <laughs> Or if they, I hope, actually, is the quicksands on the floor and they get thrown out of the ring into the quicksand. <laughs> like Black Blood takes a tumble with his axe and, <laughs> and you throw a hunchback in on top of <laughs> Good God, it's the ding-dong. He's in the the quicksand. Tony, it's the ding-dong. Oh, my. (laughs) got his ding-dong in the quicksand. (laughs) Oh, God. Carl, bring it back together. (laughs) Good God, Tony. (sighs) All right. August 12th, 1991. Everybody survived the quicksand, I suppose. They put Eligante in the quicksand match. And uh, let's say Black Blood throws him over the top rope. But Eligante is so tall. He only sinks up to his knees while everybody else is like reaching up for him to pull. And like Eligante spends most of the time at ringside, like pulling people up from the quicksand while he's like waist deep in or something. That, my friends, is money. And uh, Vinny may as well read what is on the Facebook page. Alrighty. I don't know why I'm rushing, as I'll get to in a moment, but go ahead. Well, this is a fairly long entry, so this will take me some time. Don't forget, it says, tonight is the Polka Song Contest. It'll be Granny's new theme, remember? Nothing that will get us dinged on YouTube. Try to keep it to one minute or so. And I'd honestly say even shorter would be better. Send MP3 to brianwrestlingobserver.com with Polka Song Contest in the subject line. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, we gave people a lot of warning, but uh, Polka may not be everyone's forte. You don't say. We got five entrants here. So think about that. If you were thinking about it, but didn't send anything in, man, you could have been a winner. But we'll never know. You can't do worse than fifth place. That's true. That's true. You could say that you once had the sixth best song on the Brian and Vinny show. And that's if you came in last. 
Might have come in first. But yes, Granny doesn't like our traditional Brian and Vinny theme song. Even though it's awesome, and we have a music video to go along with it. She demanded, I guess we get something different because it was too long, so we got one. I didn't demand. Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, come on. It's funny, Granny, you didn't demand, but you pretty much demanded. You yelled about it every time. You said, I hate that song. When we told you to make sure you were quiet. We heard that, Granny. Mm-hmm. We heard that. Are you ready for them, though? Because, Granny, this one, this is not for me, Craig, Sean, or Vinny. It's for you. It's all about Granny. This man. is your new theme for this program. So you got to pick the one you like the best. Okay. I got it? I'll try. All right. Well... Let's start with Brandon here, who says, Granny, you are truly number one. Thank you. Granny, you are number one. All of your reports are so much fun. Wrestling memoirs and the soaps, Facebook and some funny jokes. Granny, you are number one. Granny, Number one. It's gonna be a tough Put one to be on your grandson. Go visit your grandmother, Brian. If a match really <laughs> blows, just give it a big fat minus so Granny, you are number one. Granny, you are number one. Why do we let anyone else Granny, enter? You are number one. I like that one. Oh, yeah, don't wow. say. Brandon, that's going to be a tough one to beat, brother. I know. I mean, should we bother playing the rest? Is this going to be embarrassing for people? No, I want to hear the rest. All right. Well, uh, next up, we have got uh, Stevie J. That's a blast from the past. Granny's TNA Polka by Stevie J. Here we go. Uh Roll off the barrel. Brian and Vinny are done. Uh-oh. Can't use it. Roll. Out. <laughs> I, I don't think we can use the barrel. Granny is having some fun. <laughs> T and A is awful. Wait, what? Yeah. So have the big cup of cheer. What else can I say? Vince Russo, go away. He's so bad that even Craig drinks a beer. Wow. That was a great try. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. You know, Not they, bad. Say, they say that AI, AI is going to take over the world. Yeah. It's going to take a while. Well, Stevie J, that was a good song, but I'm not sure we can use that theme. I guess we'll, we'll find out if we so. get dinged just by having the uh, song there in the background. <laughs> All right. Well, now we have Grayson here. This is the polka song, the Granny Polka song by Grayson, who adds featuring a real... Accordion. Wow. Not a gimmick accordion. Not a worked accordion. A shoot accordion. A real-life squeeze box. All right. By the way, uh, remind me to tell you a story after we get done with this granny segment. Here we go. Today we sell. 
celebrate and sing you a song for a woman who cheers for the undertaker's bum. Like Ricky Martin, lives La Vida Loca. We all go crazy for doing Granny Polka. Like Wendy's hamburgers, you love you some squares. Your guilt trips for Brian, catch him unawares. We love you, lady, and that's not a joke on everyone in the empire do Granny Polka. Are we sure that's an accordion, not a hurdy-gurdy? Hey! That's hey! Definitely an accordion because he's... It's not like the accordion is plugged into an amp or anything. It, it, there's right. a mic put up to recording so you can hear the keys being hammered. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not tickling the ivories. He's smashing them into oblivion. He wrote... He rhymed polka with joker. Oh, yeah. yeah he sure did. <laughs> Goddamn right he did. What'd you think of that one, Granny? It was okay, but confusing. It was confusing. I don't sure. know what was confusing about it. I didn't understand it too good. Okay, well, we tried. All right. Uh, thank you very much for that, though, however. Uh, yes, thank you, thank you. Steve here, he claims this is a no-copyright public domain polka song. Now, the problem is, no mm. matter what it says, it matters what YouTube says. Mm. So, uh, you know, Jared will let us know if this thing gets dinged or not. So uh, let's try it here. This is from Steve. Granny has a new theme. She never had an old theme. Here's Granny's new theme on her Tuesday show. Brian and Vinny, Craig and Granny. Sean has an Emmy on a show with Granny. Brian and Vinny, Craig and Granny. Sean has an Emmy. Brian's married to Whitney. This is Granny's new theme. Now go and hit Red Five. This is Granny's new theme. Now go and hit Red Five. Well, that was an abrupt ending there. <laughs> this is a great contest. Yeah. What do you think of song. that one, Granny? Uh, that was okay, but number one is still there. Number one's still the winner? Oh, man. I knew it was going to be tough after the one. Thank you, Steve. But we do have one more. Trent here says... Seven. Hello, Brian. This is me playing the accordion. I like how when I said Trent, you, you decided it must be Trent Seven and not Trent! We're right last this. name. What if it is Trent Seven, though? Well, it's not, because I got his last name here. No. This is me playing the accordion and singing. I wrote a song called Belgian Baby some time back, but I changed the lyrics here to fit Granny. Hmm. The song was my attempt to meld a polka with a 50s rock and roll song. Uh, I currently play polkas on gigs I do around Louisville, along with my other old-timey music genres. Hmm. I grew up listening to polka bands in Wisconsin, the file is just over a minute, but the song ends at the one-minute mark. Thanks, Trent. So we're ending here on a guy who is no joke. He's a professional. Can he beat Brandon is the question. Let's hear Trent's song. Gladys Gibson, she's the granny of Brian. Gladys Gibson, how the guilt is flying. 
She dances a polka in her chair While the chat room geeks just stare Gladys Gibson She's a granny of Brian Gladys Gibson She's a mover and a shaker Gladys Gibson Loves the undertaker She's 93 and still going strong Roll up the barrels after live this long Gladys Gibson She's a grandson of Brian That was legit right there Mm-hmm. I like that one. What'd you think, Granny? Uh, can you bl- play the number one again, Vinny? Vinny, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm in charge of this, Granny. Oh, you are. Oh, okay, sorry. Yes. I'm just champion. <laughs> you guys assume I'm in charge of everything. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I can play number one again. That would be Brandon's right here. Let's uh, let's play it. Granny, you are number one. All of your He's practically cheating. got to be that one all right well brandon you're the winner hey trent that was awesome though that was yes, some great nice. old-timey accordion music right there and we can only have one winner but there are no losers this week there yeah there were no losers this week although the ai one was a little weird i mean all good but i would not call it a loser yeah. but uh all right granny well that's gonna be your new theme oh goody so uh brandon i think he's in the chat right now actually uh congratulations and he wants to say that Trent's was pretty great as well. Uh, Dragor says, Trent, that was also fantastic. So it looks like Trent, uh, you know, he came in first in some of our hearts, but second place overall. But Brandon, you are the winner, so uh, congratulations. And I guess we'll be hearing that uh, Tuesdays here for a while until Granny decides it's too long. <laughs> and I can't wait to see the video we get for this one. Until oh. I move on. <laughs> well, what do you mean by move on? You said it. I don't mean like die. <laughs> Although, hey, if you want that played, like you're, uh, you know what I'm saying? You can arrange it. 27. So, okay. anyway. She is a heel. And she well, said she's going to put Rhea she's in She's going to put place. Rhea Ripley in her place. Yeah, and I didn't believe her. Just like she put her in her place three <laughs> years ago. No, Rhea, no, no, no. Rhea in three no, no, no. years ain't going to be good she enough to it. be on her level. Good Charlotte did not teach her uh, or did not put her in her place three years ago. She taught her a lesson three years ago. But she's going to put her in her place mm-hmm. at Mania. Is that place above her on the pecking order? Is she going to put her up? <laughs> On top as the woman's champion, is that what she means? She's gonna elevate her because yes. I think that's what's gonna happen. She's gonna put her over. I mean, what happens? What happens if Good Charlotte wins this? Well, to me, gonna. it seems 
You don't think so? No, you know it's funny. The Observer Radio thread we had we had one of those guys. They they always like uh, they want to disagree with me, but they want to do it in a condescending way. Or Dave, they'll be like, "Oh, it's so cute." <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> those <laughs> side jab it. You. you heard me? Yeah, no kidding. They'll go, "Oh, it's so cute." That Dave and Brian think that Charlotte won't politic her way into another win. You know what? I heard this same shit a year ago about Bianca Belair. I told everybody that they had been doing a long storyline with Bianca. You could see it starting in the fall. Bianca getting win, 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 win. And she was going to go on to Mania and win the title. And I heard the same thing. She ain't going to win at Mania, Brian. She's not going to win. Oh, it's cute. that you th- And guess, guess who won at Mania? Bianca. So if you guys think it's so cute, would like to make me a monetary bet, I will bet you. I mean, it'll have to be the person that made that <laughs> snide-ass remark, but I'll bet you $100 that uh, Charlotte puts Rhea over at WrestleMania. And I'll give you my PayPal. You can, you can send me the money afterwards, but don't pull that shit on me. There's a different... There's no different from last year with Bianca. It's Rhea's time to win the title from Charlotte at WrestleMania, and it's going to happen. So anyway... It's, di- it's dire... What's dire? Rhea. Mm. <laughs> I can't believe I got you. Where you are were. we? <laughs> <laughs> the main event, Karrion Cross and Bad Cat Moss, Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar, Gunther watching from the balcony with Imperium like it's a three-man Statler and Waldorf. Much like this show. God. <laughs> oh, who's four- the third one? Stadler, Waldorf, and who? Kermit? Hey, who? <laughs> Answered my question. At least it's not me anymore. <laughs> 26. But you have a conspiracy about Vince McMahon and his sale gimmick. Yes, which actually um, I had... Someone say, boy, that, that could actually be possible. When I heard the the 900 figure, now I was like you. It's like, you know, they got to push positive sale news every week to keep the stock up. So, you know, everybody's happy. But when I heard you and Dave talking and Dave mentioned the 9 million or the 9 billion figure and said that that's probably too high for, you know, Comcast and the media companies. And it made me think, and if you go back to the Nick Khan interview where he said, if the best offer involves Vince going away, we're taking the best offer and Vince will step down. What if Vince floats this $9 billion number to scare off the TV companies that might be more apt to not want him a part of the company? and leave the bidders on the table more apt to be the Saudis who could afford it and would be more than happy to keep him in power because if NBC Universal of Disney if whoever you know a media company were to buy it there's going to be a lot more fear of public demand and outrage for Vince to not be ahead of the company but if Saudi buys it A, like Saudi's going to, you know, worry about whether uh, people are complaining or not online. It's like it gives Vince a better position 
if the media outlets like Comcast, NBCU, you know, Disney, whatever they all are, go, you know what, with TV rights and what we're paying and everything else, it's like, I think $9 billion's too big of a number. We're not making an offer. We'll just bid for the television rights after someone else buys it. And it opens the door for Saudi or Endeavor or one of the other groups. And as we've learned with Endeavor, they were quite happy to keep, you know, Dana White as a figurehead, regardless of any potential backlash. So they might be apt to do it for Vince. There could be deeper, uh, deeper 3D chess going on here. Uh, I mean, it's possible, I guess. But here, here's a problem. Here's my problem with that conspiracy. That conspiracy involves you wanting to sell a company and actively trying to run off bidders. Like, if I were going to think of a conspiracy, my conspiracy would be, I'm going to go to the Saudis and I'm going to tell them that, you know, I have bids that are at eight and a half million dollars. Even if like the highest bid is four, I would go to the, yeah, you know, if the highest bid I had was four billion, if it were conspiracy to me, I would go to the Saudis and go, you know, we got, we got, eh, you know, I don't want to really talk about and I can't, but uh, in the 8.5 range. And then, you know, they're like, ah, we'll give you nine billion for it or whatever, as opposed to. Well, you know, let's uh, let's lie about nine billion so that the other people won't bid. But then, what if the Saudis are like, "Well, you got no more bidders, brother, so we're going to give you a three. You want as many bidders as you can get." So well, yes, to me, it makes Ryan, more sense to lie to the Saudis if you're looking at a conspiracy and your, claim that everyone else is offering you eight or nine. Well, yes, but Brian, if you're able to lie to the Saudis that NBCU only offered you four and you tell them eight or nine, if they don't make a big offer at all, you can still lie to the Saudis. Like, I'm quite sure NBC, regardless of anything else, will be willing to make a bid, but they sure as hell aren't going to go any higher than they think it's worth. So it's like, if you're going to lie to them that they offered you four, you could lie to them if they offer you two, you could lie to them if they offer you one. If if just lying to the Saudis is enough to push the price up, you can lie all you want, regardless of who's bidding. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure, and again, I'm just making this shit up as a fun conspiracy theory, you have to make sure that the two offers that end up on the table aren't close enough to go to someone who doesn't want Vince, because then according to the... Uh, the statements both Nick and Vince have made, if the uh, better offer involves Vince going, Vince is apparently willing to go. Well, I mean, you could also look at the conspiracy and presume that they're lying about that. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you could lie about this. Well, you, you have to be careful when you lie to shareholders because well, yeah, lawsuits can happen. Sure, but you know, you could also say, well, it was true at the time we changed our mind. Clearly, we cannot run this thing without Vince McMahon. <laughs> I mean, Vince would have put Sammy over in Montreal. He would have made those fans happy. And actually, ironically, well, I don't know. It's that was, and, and again, I was completely joking, although I think it would have been the perfect, perfect end if WWE were a television series, which it sort of is, but this was the... Ser uh, series finale, not a season finale, but if WWE were going to shut down, I think the greatest going into their final season finish in Montreal would have been Roman gets the sharpshooter on, a cloaked figure runs down and rings the bell and calls for the submission and Roman wins 
and the cloak hood gets pulled off and it's vince mcmahon and he says sammy it was me it was me all along and it's like roman might be the head of the table but i own the fucking table i decide who sits where i'm back and you redo heel vince for the final run before you wrap this whole company up and it oh, goes belly up god god help me could Start you imagine talking about war brother yeah we better hurry i can't up with this. i can't i can't do another montreal but if you're going to end the company in the near future, what a great fitting end to have Vince come out oh, and horrible. do the... Well, if you're wrapping it up, it doesn't matter. Well, you if can... you're wrapping it up, then you should come down and ring the bell when Sammy has Roman in the sharpshooter and Sammy wins and we have a happy ending to this series. Not a sad one. Golly. It gets you into the final season. Just to, oh my God, Vince is back. Saudis would love that. They get to relive the Attitude Era. 25. Okay, so before we actually started this show, you mentioned to me that you put up all of the weight humanly possible on your bench press machine. Yeah, and what I was what I was wondering is is your rehab must be going at least as close to how Randy Orton's rehab went, considering (laughs) I saw this dude on SmackDown and. You know, Randy Orton, I would say early in his career, he was a little bit of a body guy. But over like most of his career, he wasn't really a body guy. He just looked like a guy who was very athletic and in shape and lean, you know, lean muscle. Yeah, he was still a bit. He's still a big guy. But yeah. now he's like the biggest guy in the company right now. I think, you know, th- there's a few of them, but he's one of the bigger ones in the company. Like where, where did it, like was the muscle hiding? Like, did he have to like whisper it? Like, like Dave Meltzer's weights were whispering to him that he had to whisper to his muscles to come out. Cause this dude, <laughs> he just, he just walks around like a bodybuilder. Now too, you just see in his movements and his walking, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty jacked. I, 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 I gotta say, I, um, my, my, my powers come from a container. My my so, my my muscle powers are prescribed to me, and that I that I put on every single day, and it gives me even more powers. Uh, the other thing is, I'm not I, I rack the machine. I'm not, but the truth is, it's only like forty pounds. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like one of these baby ones, you know. It's like when Kenny uh, Omega had his shoulder injuries, and he was like doing the lightest bench presses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I. I Listen, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but I'm sure Randy's uh, muscles also came from a jar like mine. <laughs> you know, uh, he looks incredible. He looks incredible. Listen, man, the guys, they are bodybuilders. And, you know, it's when you're off the road and you you come back, you always look better because it's very difficult to work out the way that you do at home versus yeah. being on the road and traveling. That should be that should be something we track. It, does he get smaller as uh, as he's oh, back? Oh yeah, hundred percent. No, hundred percent. And you know what's unbelievable about pro wrestling and coming from a family of bodybuilders? Okay. Yes. The the fact that these guys look the way they look year round for the most part. You know, obviously sometimes they put on a little bit more muscle. Sometimes they get a little bit more lean. You know, they bulk up. But for the most part, like a Finn Balor, that guy can't f up, right? He can't yeah. have too many cheat days. I yeah, think he said so it in an lean. interview one time that having one beer is his cheat. Like he likes to have a beer and that's his For cheat like the day. week. That's his that's For his like cheat. the week. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, and that has to be 
unrealistically sustainable. Yes, it has to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially as these guys get older, because Finn Balor is not a young, young dude anymore. No, no. And, uh, and, and, not, and neither is Randy Orton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you just made me think of a segment. So Brian, Brian Alvarez has has brought on his grandmother for, gosh, ever since I feel like I, I subscribed. I don't remember exactly when Granny started doing segments yeah. on the Brian and Vinny show. But Papa Sfandiar, uh, Papa Sfandiar, Papa Zarian talking yeah. bodybuilding. That Freddy, I should bring be Freddy a segment. On. Yeah. Uh, he, he, uh, Freddy would be great. Listen, here is advice. Only do push-up for six months. That's what he told me, actually. <laughs> that was my father's thing. He's like, you want to get into working out? Don't go to the gym and start lifting weights. Do push-ups every single day. Push-ups, crunches, uh, and he would do um, like the old school, like the the this machine, this thing. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was his thing, right? He's like, don't do, don't work out. Do that for six months. If you do that for six months, you're gonna walk into that gym. You're gonna feel like a million dollars. You're gonna continue doing it. Uh, that's always how I start my workouts. Wow. I just do I do push ups. Uh, once I start doing a hundred push ups, uh, I could do like. Right now, I could do 55 straight, right, mm-hmm. in a set. I could do 55, and I, and I take a little break, and I do another 40 and 45, and I'm at 100. But he's like, if you could do 100 straight, he goes, you're mint. You're gold. And then you go to the gym. Wow. So you, you actually have to build up going to the gym. Like, you can't just That's go to thing, the gym. Yeah. He's like, no, you are not actually qualified to go to the gym until you can do a hundred push-ups yeah. in a row. Yeah. He's like, listen, is- you don't know shit about working <laughs> out. Okay. That's what he says to me. My father has a weird German accent. He's not German. <laughs> you know? The V's are all, the W's are all V's. The V's are W's. <laughs> Why won't you listen to me? Man. You met Freddie. You met, you met yeah, uh, Papa Zarian. I, I did. Yeah. The one time I was He's at a little your place guy now, him. but he was he was like a big jacked up dude my whole life as like a kid. You know, he was I remember he used to work out like a lunatic and he used to have all like the the, the Joe Weider uh, protein shakes and all of that stuff. But never Ico Pro, right? Never Ico Pro. You know, I I sometimes I could maybe lie and say he probably tried it, <laughs> but I'm not sure. <laughs> 24. So then they show the Viking Raiders laying out the banger bros after last week's title match against the Usos. Then the Raiders are in the woods with Valhalla, and they let Sheamus and Drew know that suffering awaits them. And then Sheamus and Drew are with Adam Pierce in the locker room, and they cannot get on the same page as to who they want to fight the most. The Did you Viking know that Raiders evidently there's a the porn Usos. company called Bang Bros? Were you aware of that? Evidently there is. Hmm. Yeah. No, not not quite in my uh, genre. I hate you. Continue. Why? <laughs> well, Why? tell you later this person says we couldn't have submission sorority for the women but we can have banger bros for the men well you know evidently no one knew the 
besides besides everybody listen if, if it's is submission sorority and actually evidently I, this one is evidently so there's there's a porn site that's uh submission sorority is that what he's saying Yes. Okay. Well, they're not the bang bros. They're the banger bros, okay? So if they want to be the banger bros, they can trademark that. They can't trademark bang bros. So they wouldn't be able to trademark submission sorority if somebody else has trademarked it for porn. So they have to call it something different, like submission sororityers or something. Apparently they didn't want to do that. What are you asking me for? Who? I didn't ask you. And then the tour of the islands, and he picked up the win, as you mentioned. Just a match. Also, there was a promo. Watch? There was a promo yes, from you, there where was. you have challenged. Actually, oh fuck, what was it? So, so the match or the promo starts. You walk into screen, and uh, what the fuck did Kevin Kelly ask you? <laughs> what did he ask you? Something about the month of the year, like. Oh, you know, no, he goes, so you walk in and you're all fired up and you're about to start talking. He goes, you go, it's Fe- February 18th, you say. And he goes, February, the filthiest month of the year. And you fucking told, you were like uh, uh, Max Caster. You just froze and you were like, it's the shortest match of the year or the shortest month of the year. And then there's another long pause and you're like, so anyway, <laughs> and then I was like, Dude, I, here's another one. I love Kevin Kelly, but he did the total opposite mean gene here. Like, he totally fucked up your promo by asking some totally, he made some totally random statement that short-circuited your brain, and then, like, the whole thing fell off the rails. Well, whole thing fell off the rails. I got my... You got it back eventually, but it took a while for you to get that back. Yeah. <laughs> watch like... something else. First of all, it was uh, there was uh, I believe there was a sexual innuendo in there. Is probably the issue that you didn't pick up on. But, I didn't. What the yeah. filthiest? Did you say you were going to fuck homicide at the no. uh, Battle in the Valley? And he goes, "Oh, it's February, no. the filthiest month." What did I miss? <laughs> I definitely did not say that. <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly didn't hear that part. Well, anyways, I've challenged homicide. We'll see if he accepts. Twenty-three. Anything else, Granny? My book? Oh, yeah. The, the, is this the joke book? Oh, by the way, I let my brother listen to our show. Oh, no. And he liked it, and he said, I might even join so, so I can listen. Really? How do you like that? I, I should Thank probably you, stop swearing, huh? Oh, he... that I'm surprised because Brian didn't swear at all. That was the last week one. Well, you know, I don't always swear, Granny. Sometimes I uh, walk that fine line. Read some jokes. Okay. What happens when there are two WWE superstars but only one bathroom? I think I can cover this question. Oh, we did this one. European, something like that? <laughs> yeah. No. They, have a, they have a European title? Championship? We didn't do this one. Oh. What's the answer? A bladder match. Oh, we did do that one. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we did do that one, Randy. And that was the one where you thought it was European. <laughs> yeah, this is deja vu. It is. We only have one show. We just do it yes. all every weekend. Okay. Did you hear about the contest between the two rabbits? The contest between the two rabbits? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, Did they have a hair match? Hmm. 
Hair versus hair. Yep. Yeah. Hey, wow. So I can write a joke book. You should write how, a joke book. How do NXT... He's beating Craig, of all people. Yeah. How do NXT superstars celebrate in England? Um... How do NXT superstars celebrate in England? I don't know, Granny. How do NXT superstars celebrate in when England? When NXT, T-E-A, parties. Have N-X-T tea parties. NXT parties. Yeah. I was a happier man before I heard that joke. <laughs> yeah. Who wrote that? I'm marrying a train Paisley? somewhere. There's a train in Craig's house, yeah. Yes, I'm pulling a train. What is the money's what? favorite condiment? The monies, monies. <laughs> what is yeah, the monies' favorite condiment? Yeah, the Mounties. Oh, <laughs> is it the Mounties? No, hmm. the monies. Sure? McMayonnaise. I don't get it. What? The answer is <laughs> McMayonnaise. Okay, great. All right, monies. What is the monies? Yeah, M O N E Y S. Huh. Favorite condiment. Okay. That one don't make sense at all. No, it does not. McMayonnaise. How, how did Seth Rollins propose to Becky Lynch? It's pretty obvious. Is it? <laughs> it's obvious? How did Seth Rollins propose to Becky Lynch? Did it involve a ring? a ring? Yeah. Oh. I got it before you did. You did. You no. also have the you book have in the front book. of you. It was close. <laughs> <sighs> what happens when 30 superstars all go for the same football? A royal fumble. Now yeah, you got it. I got the football one of all people. Mm. Wow. Do you want me to quit now? Yes. <laughs> wow. One more. Come oh, on. Okay. One you more, Granny. One to. more. Now, let's see. What happens when the phenomenal... One has no cavities. It's um, another weird one. Phenomenal one has no cavities. Think about a nice styles has a nice smile or something. Yeah, it's got something to do with styles. HS styles. Oh no, HS smiles. AJ smiles. Instead, that could have been about AJ smiles. Could have been about anything. It didn't need to be about cavities. It didn't need about. It could be. Ah, uh, whatever. Teeth whitening. Okay. Am I done? I think we've heard enough. Okay. His I smiles think, clash. I huh? think I've had enough, too. All right, what else have we got for Granny? Uh, has anyone here watched either that 90s show or that 70s show? I never watched either one. I've watched 70s show a lot. Yeah, Granny? Right. Yes. Be sure and read uh, Tim's. Oh, God. Oh, this is a Tim. It's Tim Simcoe. I think a different Tim. But he wants yeah. to know which character from that 90s show or that 70s show do you identify with the most? I watched that 70s show like once and didn't laugh and never watched it again. I like uh, how Tim now goes in to chat with Granny to tell Granny to tell Vinny to ask his question here on the show. Well, this Tim's a real mark for himself, isn't he? I don't know, Craig, but he writes here, okay. not a Tim, the Tim. Oh, okay. Tim's question sucks. Wow. Well, what is it? Are you sure? Well, oh come on! He said it was a funny one. All right, well, he said that comedy is in the eye of the beholder. Another Twilight Zone episode. All right, I'll read this from Tim Page. Everyone, question. Uh, he says for all. 
If you clog a toilet at a party... Oh, God. Oh, no. Who is this? Vince McMahon? <laughs> right. Come on, Tim. Get out of here. Well, Granny did think it was funny. You haven't even finished a question. She's laughing. Do you seek out the homeowner and fix it, or do you blame it on the last person who used the bathroom? What does this show come to? You know what it's come to? Dead silence. <laughs> and the- Tim wants to produce this show. Other appropriate, for, I guess, suppose, for a Rob, where we're going to review That's commentary by Bastion Booger. Very true. And the answer is I blame it on Tim. Okay. All right, anything else? Riddles. I'm, I'm oh, done. yeah, do we have any uh, riddles or whatever, the joke book? 9.39. Oh, I forgot about that. Ain't got that. nothing to do tomorrow, Craig. Just build a cabinet. <laughs> wow. I didn't even bring my book just, out. Just yeah. casually bury the man's entire career. Almost, that takes no I skill. I almost got it out with a straight face. <laughs> I'm skipping around here so that the book's going to be done before long. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if you skip around. Well, let's skip to the end then. Are you skipping the good ones? I'm just, just skipping all together. Why are WWE superstars bad at bowling? Or have you done this before? Too much striking. Know. Any other one? Mm. Their minds are in the gutter. Keep going. I don't know why. Because they can only get one pin at a time. Ah, uh, uh, that's okay. Huh. Uh, let's get to the end then. I'm why pretty can't... sure Craig would write a far superior WWE joke book than this one. Uh, probably. Why can't a WWE ref light a fire? Something about a match. Can't start a match? He always stops the match. I see. Oh, I got it backwards. Oh. He also starts the match. That's true. (laughs) What do the... We have smarter than the joke book. book is bullshit. What do the hurricane, the rock, and the Miz have in common? Nothing. Not one thing. They're men. Triple H has pinned all of them. No. <laughs> they share a first name, duh. All right. That's not even a joke. That's, we're done. <laughs> God. That was I'm awful. actually angry about that one. <laughs> God. Let's see what all there is. The. All of these are better than Tim's question. Well, okay. that's true. What do, the, what do Undertaker's bath towels say? U-T. Um, you got a, something on your Oh, head. him and hearse. Ooh. Yep. Oh! <laughs> oh! Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's his. His, his and hearse. His and hearse. Thank you. What? Yeah, that would be his. Yeah. Oh, his. That's yeah. what I said. You said him. Uh, so yeah, that's what I meant. I how, how does Charlotte Flair browse the internet? How does she what? How does she browse the internet? With Flair? The Charlotte's Web. Oh, okay. Gosh. I can't take any more. Is that it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Forever. I'll remember I did this. I mean, uh-huh. I'll never forget. Who 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 suggested this book? I mean, yes. You bought it for Brian. I know who suggested it. <laughs> you brought it to me, Brian. I know. I didn't read it first. <laughs> I don't think it's bad at all. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can do more. It is though. Week. We can. Hey, listen. It's her segment. If she laughs. <sighs> I mean, she laughed at Tim's question, for crying out loud. Well, All right. Tim stays up late just to 
I believe that, actually. I believe Tim stayed up late thinking of that question. He appears to have gone to bed after we asked this question, though, so. Hmm. Logged out. Yeah. Oh. Disgust. <laughs> he's, he's a good friend of mine. He's a college professor. Oh. <laughs> you think he'd be smarter. Yeah. Oh. He loves poop jokes. All right. Anything else, Granny? What was the no, college? Michael P. Keaton. Alex always buried. <laughs> I Princeton. I'm glad it all worked here. From it did times. all yeah. work out, Granny. You know how to reboot that I, thing I all by PD. yourself. I was beat. Okay. All right. We'll Later. see. You, we'll see you next week then. Uh, congratulations, uh, Sean. Thank you, Granny. It's the nicest ha- thing she's ever said about somebody. I appreciate married. that. Uh, I hope it's a happy one. I'll so say, far, so good. I'll keep you in my prayers. She's praying <laughs> for your marriage, Sean. She's Already praying. It's better than praying for Brian's okay. soul. Yeah. God. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, then it was your fault. <laughs> that is true. Oh, wow. I'll ask for that one. Yeah, that'll probably be true. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm done. All right. Get out of here. Thank you. <laughs> well, she broke Sean. <laughs> Oh, man, everyone's Ten. asking for the joke book, Granny. Do a couple of the jokes. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. I kind of went through this. I'm not too sure I haven't, because I skipped over pages. Skip okay, more. Let's see. <laughs> knock, Skip knock, who, knock, knock, who's there? Ric Flair. Ric Flair who? Who? No, Ric Flair who? <laughs> I didn't get that one. <laughs> no no I'm just saying no let me know when she's done okay why would elephants put your headphones me- on you might use some of these someday Vinny oh no I promise you I'll never oh he does <laughs> I'm making him listen yeah. oh why he hates me why it's your job. I'm paying you. Heartless person. I'm paying you to listen to stupid. But it jo- sucks. You're being paid to listen to jokes. These are not jokes. These no. <laughs> I'm being paid jokes. to listen. I'll accept that part. That last one made me laugh really hard. That's because you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Can I go on? Yes, yeah, please. Why? Why would elephants make great WWE superstars? They already have trunks. Hey! Hey! You got it. Good job, Craig. Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> Bailey. Bailey who? We Bailey made it home in time to watch SmackDown That's Live. That's not how knock, knock jokes work. You're going to add a word before her name? We Bailey? <laughs> what does that mean? She's small? <laughs> we Bailey? <laughs> we barely made it home. Oh, we Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> wow, your Invisalign made you dumb. <laughs> she read it like... Wee Bailey. Like she's. I'm so happy where my headphones were off. This is a leprechaun. Why did the referee referee's feet smell when he was working? Dude, that cage match next week. There better be a Wee Bailey. Because he was a doodle. What? (laughs) Because he was a doodle. His feet smelled because he was a doodle. Yeah, I don't get it. What? See, these, these, these are so dumb that they're funny. Read it again. <laughs> I, am I high? I don't. I, I drove here. I think I was sober when I got here. 
think you hit a tree and you're all imagining this. Oh, that'd be so great. <laughs> okay, what was the Jake the Snake's favorite No, read the other school? one. Read the huh? one about the feet. You want to see it again? Yeah. Why did the referee's feet smell when he was working? Because he was on duty. Oh, that's it. He was on oh. duty. That's oh, not what you said. No. No. I can't take any more. That's the last one. <laughs> I actually don't know if that's better or worse than he was a doodle. <laughs> <laughs> that's more than enough for this week, Granny. That's more than enough. I read that all wrong, didn't I? <laughs> it was a poop joke. God. <laughs> Vince McMahon would have loved Did that. Did Tim joke. write that? <laughs> I like that one because I misread it. Okay, Granny, that's enough. <laughs> put Uncle. A, put a bookmark in. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I didn't put it. I'm never going to be the same after there. we bail. <laughs> See, you were getting fun out of the book. <laughs> that book is worth it for we Bailey. It's worth it. Whatever I paid, it was worth it. Oh. Just by that one alone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, Granny. Anyway, we got to do the main event here so we can meet, okay. keep moving, keep the show going, you can know. Te can Tillamook sponsor something? I wish. Buck. What do they sponsor? Probably like woman sailing. Some horse I don't think they like sponsor. I've been to the Tillamook Cheese Factory. Oh, yeah? And I don't got the impression they're sponsoring much. <laughs> it's a fucking cheese factory in the middle of nowhere. Bro, I've been to the, I've been to the Cabot Cheese Lodge wow. over in Vermont. Huh. So, yeah, probably very similar experience. I was backed up for days, in case you needed to know. <laughs> Can you cut that from the show? Actually, <laughs> there was no. There Can was uh, somebody put that on that uh, on the Twitter on a loop, please? <laughs> I think Brian Rose is responsible oh, oh, for that. Oh yeah, is I'd, that what you want? I'd appreciate. How about that. I? How about I throw up? Put, you put that the ropes. on the loop, how about and I then also put up when he was again. Uh, laughing about uh, Rocky Romero getting his ass beat because <laughs> he was so disgusted with the show last night because he wasn't on it. Put that shit up on. I didn't say it was, dis was disgusted. Yeah, you did. I said it was opening. great. No, the I first said, things no, you wrote. No, I said I was. I said I was sick to my stomach. That's not the oh, same thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Thing. Yeah, sick that to my stomach is not thing. the same thing as disgusted. You're right. It's not. Fuck me, dude. It's not. Whatever. One is on me. God, this, there was nothing. Dis the only disgusting. You were sick to your stomach in this room, and I was disgusted by the outcome. And they were basically exactly the same. Twenty-one. It's Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live. Voice is still kind of a work in progress. I had a little uh, procedure about a week ago. I don't think we're uh, fully there yet, so I'm trying, but uh, we're working on it. Gambling in pro wrestling made the headlines this week. I, uh, I don't gamble much myself. Uh, every now and then, I'll put some money in slot machines or Maybe some blackjack, or, but not very much. I don't, I don't enjoy it because, you know, the odds are against you. I also have a family member who lost their house to gambling. They'll deny it, but they did. But look, it's all, you 
If you can handle something, you can do it. But, you know, it's self-discipline, introspection to know if you can do something or not. You know, but it's, it's everywhere. I'm, I think it's just amazement at the scope of gambling everywhere with DraftKings and all of the casinos on, on tribal land. And, you know, when I was a kid, you were either a star or you were working state fairs. And now today, you can be a star and then you can make a great living each weekend flying out and performing at all of these casinos. Somebody else talking about gambling in the chat, the YouTube chat. My YouTube channel at Jim Valley. Video game loot boxes. That's true. The scope of gambling is amazing. You know, we've got, I don't know, dozens of casinos seemingly here in western Washington. They all advertise on TV and I can't keep them straight. Um, we have one here in Tacoma, south of Seattle. The Emerald Queen Casino. This thing looks like if NASCAR was a building with big red swaths and checkerboards all over the outside. It lights up and flashes. It's got a big video screen. They call it the entertainment capital of the Northwest. But they have like the same four acts every year. Every year, you can count on Smokey Robinson, Blue Oyster Cult, um, Air Supply comes every year for Valentine's Day. Air Supply. I thought maybe it'd be fun, ironically, to go see Air Supply. Tickets are like 300 and some dollars. Those guys had like three hits 40 years ago. It's like $120 a hit. And then Keith Sweat. I think Keith Sweat must live in Tacoma because he's always at the Emerald Queen Casino. They say it's the entertainment capital of the Northwest. Who's in second place? Do they have the same three X that come? But my God, you drive by any casino. The parking lots are packed with people. True story. You know, I used to be a radio reporter. As a reporter, you're out driving places. One day, I, I don't know what the story was, but I was parked in the parking lot of the Emerald Queen Casino. And I got hay-buddied. Somebody needed gas money to leave the parking lot of the casino. I don't have to point out the irony to you. But there's so much money in gambling. And of course, WWE wants to get on the act. There is some small time betting, I guess, you could do now in various countries and states and apps. 
grow it. But it doesn't look likely. And it's obvious why. You know, matches are scripted. But WWE obviously is interested because not only does it drive up the sale price, but it increases engagement. Betting does. You look at the NFL, baseball, the NCAA. You know, big upside when fans are able to bet on the games. Massachusetts just launched mobile betting on Friday. But nobody there can bet on pro wrestling. The Massachusetts Gaming Commission says WWE is not an approved sports league. Colorado regulators not happy about the idea of betting on WWE. Says the Colorado Division of Gaming is not currently and has not considered allowing sports betting wages wagers on WWE matches. At no time has any state gaming regulator in Colorado spoken with WWE about including wagers on our approved wagers list. Colorado statute forbids wagers on events with fixed or predicted outcomes or purely by chance, and that includes the Academy Awards. Seven other states do permit Oscars betting in some form or another. Indiana and New Jersey don't permit live betting, and they limit the size of the wagers. And in most states, Michigan only accepts requests from gambling operators or platforms, and WWE hasn't even made a request, according to the State Gaming Control Board. You know, and there may be an even bigger hurdle than getting past gaming regulators. Here's a quote from the CEO of BetMGM on whether or not he would be eager to accept wagers on WWE scripted matches. You know what he said? NFW. No effing way. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, DraftKings demurred saying it would be up to regulators. Now, according to experts, the gambling industry puts a premium on avoiding scandal. The American Gaming Association, which represents both commercial and tribal operators, told CNBC, both regulars, regulators and operators must have confidence in the integrity of the competitions. Here's another quote from the managing director of Alpha Advisors. It says, ultimately, most industry stakeholders seem to view WWE betting as even more optically challenging than betting on award shows. What a great phrase. Optically challenging. They're not ugly. They're optically challenging. Well, look. Everybody has made the jokes. Everybody has 
But nobody has asked the most important question. What would Kenny Rogers say? So I wrote a song to the tune of The Gambler. And my voice isn't up to snuff. So this is Matthew Lindley playing the Kenny Rogers part on vocals. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you The Wrestler. On a cold winter's evening, playing bound for backlash, Met up with a wrestler, both too excited to sleep. So we took turns of staring. DraftKings on my iPhone. Something overtook him. He began to speak. Said, son, I've made a life. Had a bed in wrestling matches. Knowing every finish. Breaking all the rules. If you don't stooge my secrets. I know all the outcomes For taste of your Pepsi I'll give the result So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he burped the Judas theme It was very strange the guy got really quiet His face lost all expression He said, you're gonna bet on DraftKings Understand the game, you gotta know we're better on Roman. Sometimes on Strowman, never bet on Sami Zayn. That's a sucker bet, you never count your money. When you're sitting in Gorilla, a bit time enough for counting on the corporate jet. Every wrestler knows the secret to this business It's not how much cash you make, it's how much you save Every match has a winner, and every match a loser The best that you can hope for is five stars from Uncle Dave When he finished speaking, he turned back toward the window Zipped up his fanny pack Tightened up his tape Somewhere over San Juan The wrestler did the honors In his final promo Found a wager I could make You gotta know to bet on Roman Sometimes on Strowman Never bet on Sami Zayn That's a sucker bet You never count your money When you sit in Time enough for counting on the corporate jet. You gotta know to bet on Roman. Sometimes on Strowman. Never bet on Sami Zayn. That's a sucker bet. You never count your money. When you sit in in Gorilla, there'll be time enough for counting on the corporate jet. You gotta know to bet on Roman. Sometimes on Strowman, never bet on Sami Zayn. That's a sucker bet. You never count your money. When you're sitting in Gorilla, every time enough for counting on the corporate jet. That is Matthew.
Matthew Lindley from Seattle on vocals. And you can find him on Bandcamp under Matthew Lindley. He and his band, The Misbehaviors, are playing Rubens Brews in Seattle on St. Patrick's Day. It's a free show, 6 p.m. Be sure to check it out. I want to thank Matthew. I put it out on Twitter that I needed a singer. And he said, I'm your Huckleberry. And he did an outstanding job. I can't thank him enough. So I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed bringing it to you. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this show took a bit to get together. I had screwed up the timing of it with Jared, and then we had some technical issues. Um, also, too, the planned uh, questions and answers that I was going to do since Brian's in uh, the UK. Uh, I've decided to scrap that, <clears throat> and I'm just going to share some stories uh, and my experiences with Terry Funk. If I can't imagine you haven't heard, uh, Terry Funk passed away yesterday. Um, I found out, I actually drove my wife to uh, an eye doctor appointment and I dropped her off and went and got a coffee and then was just coming back to wait. And when I parked, I pulled up my phone and saw the news and I just sat there in my car and cried. Um, I think, obviously, the outpouring of support yesterday, everyone realizes that uh, everyone loved Terry Funk. Um, I think it was Mike Tanay that said it best when Terry was everything right with the wrestling business. And then after WCW, I guess, yeah, it was the House of Hardcore um, stuff. And that was, I was trying not to take bookings, but Tommy asked me to come in and work him and Terry was going to be in his corner. I'm like, I can't turn this down. You know, Terry's going to be involved. Um, so I think it was Philly. It wasn't the arena, but it was somewhere around there, I believe, somewhere nearby um, that I did the single match with with Dreamer. And this is the, the photo that I share. The one I share, I always share the one with the photographer's watermark on it as a bit of a promotion for her, but also so people can't pinch it, although mine's signed now, so you couldn't pinch it anyway. But um, I did the match with Tommy, and I guess Tommy beat me. I don't remember, probably. Um, but I remember after the match, Tommy shook my hand, which was, you know, breaking kayfabe, but it was at the point where, at that point, you never know if you're going to work these guys again. So we sort of had a moment, shook hands and hugged. And Funk was on the apron, and I went over to shake his hand. At first, he refused, and I don't know whether it was, you know, because we had, you know, he was involved in the finish, not wanting to break kayfabe or whatever. But I really wanted to shake his hand, and I took a knee, uh, in front of him and sort of bowed my head and put my hand out and he shook my hand and when I got home after the show uh, I saw online Facebook somewhere all of the photos from the show and there's a bunch of pictures you know dreamer chopping me me suplexing and drop kicking Tommy and there's this perfect photo of me on a knee head bowed shaking hands with Terry Funk and I'm like, I have to have this photo. So I reached out to the woman and purchased a 11 by 17. I don't know how big it is. It's decent size, way bigger than an 8 by 10. Um, so I purchased that photo and she sent me one without the watermark because I had paid for it. And this was always like, this is, 
I have no fo- wrestling photos in my house whatsoever. Um, a framed one of this is on a, a bookcase. Um, it's a bookcase in my basement. But that's where my bookcases are. Um, it's the only real wrestling photo I have, and I have it framed. And I remember too. <laughs> I have so few photos with people. I just, I don't like, I feel like I'm the mark. If I go, hey, Terry, you mind getting a photo with me? Uh, And I sure as hell can't, you know, hey, would you mind signing this? I feel like a dork. But when I had that photo and then Tommy booked me on another House of Hardcore show. And um, this, I think, must have been the tag. It was in Poughkeepsie, so it may not have been. It may have been when I worked Mike Bennett. But Terry was on the show. And I'm like, I don't give a shit if it makes me feel like a mark. I'm getting this signed by Terry Funk. So I rolled the photo up and I took it with me and found a moment when he was sitting at a big table down in the basement of the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie. And I'm like, Terry, would you mind terribly signing this for me? He's like, no, go, no problem. And I, I put it down and again, I feel so self-conscious and a, and a bit of a dork. And I guess it's because, you know, there's the expression, you know, um, when you heroes, when your heroes become your peers, um, and your um, your friends, um, you don't want to go back to the former. And, and I felt sort of like I was being a Mark and a wrestling fan rather than a peer and a friend of Terry. But I, I just had to have it signed, so he signed it, and I very quickly just rolled it up and stuffed it back in the tube. And he's like, "Aren't you going to read it?" And I'm like, well, "I was going to when I got home. I didn't want to be embarrassed, so I I pulled it out." And it's classic Terry in that, and it, the, 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 the inscription is perfect um, in that he was trying to put me over, um, and he did, but it's not how I read it. And the photo is just signed, shaking, shit, thought I was going to make it. Thought I was going to make it today. Is shaking hands with the best, Terry Funk. And clearly he was intending to put me over saying he's shaking hands with the best, but I will always read that as I'm shaking hands with the best because that's what Terry Funk was. Oh, give me a minute. So yeah, I have that signed photo framed in my house and it's the only wrestling memorabilia I give a shit about, to be perfectly honest. 19. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're probably gonna head over there in the afternoon tomorrow to get those boxes in that wheelbarrow. Brian, it's gonna be so hot. It's gonna be ninety-two tomorrow. I know. We can get a wheelbarrow though. It's not like it's a wheelbarrow. It's an empty wheelbarrow, yeah. right? That's important. Yeah, we can come get it. Okay. All right. Sounds great. All the cardboard's on the deck. You'll be happy, Granny, because after you get off the air, I'm gonna tell the story that I didn't want to tell when you were on the air because there's a lot of profanity. I'll listen to it next uh, And then yell at me for it, even though I'm giving you fair warning to not listen because there's a lot of profanity. Okay, be ready for email. Okay. All right, Granny. Bye, bye, bye. Adios. Red Fiber. Is that your house, Craig? No, it's my house. Andrew's home. I'm going to mute myself. I thought that was a dog ran in Granny's back door this while. The the timing was amazing, yes. So, um... Yeah, right? <laughs> I really itched. So, uh, you know how I get uh, angry sometimes when we go to the Brazilian steakhouse and there's no uh, there's no steak? Doesn't sound right. Yeah. First so, of our problems. I go, I went, uh, I was in Bellevue today, 
and I didn't have any family members with me. So I thought, I will go have lunch at the Brazilian Steakhouse all by myself. This sounds awesome. So I go there, and uh, and I arrive, and then this other bloke and his, his presumably his father arrive right after me. And uh, and so, you know, I go, uh, one, they go and seat me. And then I, uh, I see the other guys, and they're sitting at a table near me. So it's, it's uh, 2 o'clock, not prime time by any means, but they're open. So I sit down, and, you know, they always got the guy that goes, you ever been here before? It's like, of course I've been here. I turn the green thing over. You want to do it? Of course I want to do the whole thing. So I, uh, I get up. I go to the salad bar. I put nothing on my plate, and I come sit down because I just want meat. But uh, they had the bacon. You know the good bacon? That's good bacon. Mm. So I, I sit down, and, uh, and I sit there, and I wait. I wait some more. What's going on here? Well, nothing. So I wait. Then the guy comes by and he goes, "You want anything to drink?" Yes, a little bit of Diet Coke. All right, I'll be back in a second. He goes. He comes back with the Diet Coke. I'm just waiting. And I look around and I'm not the only person here. There's like other people in the restaurant. I'm like, "Where the fuck's a steak at?" But I'm calm. And then you know, finally, of course, the first guy comes by and he goes, "You want uh, sausage?" It's like I don't want sausage. No, thank you. Which is probably a big mistake. So then I wait longer. There's the uh, where's the steak at? And then uh, and then the next guy comes by. He goes, "You want a little bit of chicken?" I was like, "Okay, I'll take a chicken leg, but can we get some steak over here?" So I'm waiting. I'm like, "What in the fuck is going on here?" So finally, a guy comes out. And he's got a big thing of steak, and he goes, uh, "Filet mignon." I'm like, "Sure." What do you like it? Medium rare. So he, he goes and he, he takes a thing or whatever, and he, he cuts off. It's like the size of my thumb. He drops it on my plate, and he walks off. Doesn't even ask if I want more. He just he puts a thumb-sized thing of filet mignon on my... And I'm like, whatever. I got nothing else to do today. But it's kind of irritating. Like, where's all the meat at? So all of a sudden, the guy that came in with his kid, this fucking guy, just all of a sudden he stands up and he goes, You know what? Hey, fuck this place! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, this guy's mad. And he stands up and he goes, yeah, you know what? Hey, fuck all you in here. And he starts walking out the door and he's stomping away. And he turns and goes, hey, you know what, you guys? Hey, fuck off. And he walks out the door and like he was so mad. He's like beat red. And he walks out the door. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to make light because like things like this happen. But I, I swear to God, I thought, dude, this guy might come back with like a weapon. He's angry. And he storms out, and he's out of the restaurant, and he's down the street. He's going, fuck, God, and he's just screaming and everything like that. And I look over, and his kid is just quietly sitting there. And then his kid puts his, his, his head in his hand, and his kid doesn't leave. And I'm just looking at this guy. And all of a sudden, I'm not feeling so bad about getting no steak, because could be worse. And so the kid kind of sits there for a while. And then this lady comes over that works there, and she calmly hands him a gift card. Here's a gift card. She gives him a gift card, and uh, and they kind of talk for a second, and then he stands up and he he walks out. But I was like, man, you know, I have a reputation, but I have never gotten that mad about anything. This guy was so angry that there was no steak, 
And then you'll never guess what happened after the guy stormed out of there. He came back. The steak came. No, about six guys start coming out with swords of steak. I see. It's like six guys, one after the other. They're chopping steak off the thing, and they're piling it. I got this thing that's like this high as steak on my plate, and they just keep coming by. I was like, man, what a day at the Brazilian steakhouse. But the guy never came back. So, uh, man, I never saw something like that before. Something happened early in the show that reminded me of that story, but man, oh, man. Okay. But we will see what happens here tonight as we have the final build to the 2023 Royal Rumble, where we have a whopping eight women announced for a 30-woman Royal Rumble match. Hey, I kind of like it when it's a mystery. And 15 for the men. It's like a, uh, you know, those holes. Just kind of show up and whoever's there, you. Let him enter. Kind of like the Royal Rumble. All right. Let's get some uh, plugs. <laughs> I'm just going to go. Plugs. 